got to remember how to play this song. Ladies and gentlemen, Bardown Breakdown, episode 190. Yeah, they're still letting us do this, which is kind of ridiculous, you know, because we're, we're not really the greatest at what we do, but we like what we do. And we're here with uh, with two gentlemen, the gentlemen, gentlemanliest of gentlemen. We've got uh, Joe and Sal uh, from various projects, but, you know, we know them predominantly from the sleeping. And uh, we're super stoked to have you guys here. Um, first and foremost... A huge congratulations. Um, you know, the show that you guys got going on at uh, Vitus sold out in 10 minutes. I mean, it's like absurd, but you know, that's kind of what happens when Long Island loses something and they realize they're going to get it back. They're like, well, fuck, we're going to get it back. So i um, really stoked for you guys. Um, you know, definitely really excited for that. Um, any possibility of like, you know, popping like a matinee in there doing like a second show or something? Uh, when we booked it, I was like talking to Dave, the guy that runs the, the calendar over there. He's like mm-hmm. call owner. Um, we kind of like got a date that was like uh, it was Soulfly canceled. So Soulfly canceled, yeah. So they canceled, and they were like, "Yo, we got a Friday open," and we we're like, "Fuck it, let's take it." And yeah. Then, but everything else was booked around it, so we were like, "Shit, if it sells," and we we're like, "It this might sell out really quick." Mm-hmm. And I was like what can we do and then we were like ah fuck it we're just gonna do the one show and just make it a thing and people yeah. like got tickets got tickets and and they're lucky and we're gonna have a sick time and you know yeah you know those uh those those 20 people that are gonna get caught in that like weird yeah corridor part of vitus it's probably, <laughs> probably gonna suck for them but you know man i've never even been to the club yet and like really? yeah because i mean like i moved about like almost 12 years 11 years ago and like i started hearing about it really going crazy like sort of after i left and so i'm i'm really excited to play it because i've heard nothing but amazing things so many amazing people have gone through there oh yeah like, all of our friends have gone through there mm-hmm. so when that was an option to like po- yeah. possibly do i was super stoked to be able to mm-hmm. you know to be able to get I mean it. like oh, vitus yeah. is kind of that place that has like taken over some of the like the lore of brooklyn you know you used to have the music hall Williamsburg and, you know, all these other little spots that you can kind of jump into, but now, you know, a lot of them are dwindling, but you know, you still got Vitus, which is going strong. And I mean, I, you know, any, anyone who's anyone who wants to play like an, a more intimate show, like that's where they're going to go. I'm Converge played there. And it was like, apparently like the bar almost fell down, you know? It's like, <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. So that's the kind of energy that, you know, we know you guys are going to bring. So um, uh, we're, we're talking original lineup for this show, right? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. So does that mean we're getting we're getting the robot too? Oh fuck. Man, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I had yeah. a really original lineup if there's oh, no I had, robot. I had someone hit me up. I've had like two people hit me up saying that they got a robot. I the oh, last shit. show uh seven years ago that we did, I think I threw the robot into the crowd and that was what was the last we had one we've had like seven of them. But we, we had, had- we got the original Miglio. His it's just his, his head, head. Yeah, it's just the head. It's just going. It's just his head. And you know what? I asked my dad about it recently because, like, when we started the band, we started it like in my bedroom, and so everything okay. was sort of based out of my my house and garage and bedroom. And I asked him, I was like, "Man, the last time I saw Miglio's head was out in the garage in the back." And um, 
he said he thought he might have gave it to you, Sal. I don't know when he would have. Joe, I'm telling you, last show, I think all Amiglios went into the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, then someone has it, and maybe someone will bring it because we don't have. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. Someone someone said that we could borrow their Amiglio. So I guess people just got them out there that they're like, I don't know, man, but we, we might need one. Yeah. Someone's got to bring that Amiglio through because yeah. I don't, we've never played a show without an Amiglio. Yeah. And, and you know, we, you don't want to start now. I know it, we, we, it would be cool to have the Amiglio we have. And, and, you know, I got to remember the story of Sal, you might remember, but like Brendo took the, didn't he send the Amiglio around the world or something like around the country? And it did, Oh, oh shit, dude! Wait, 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 wait a second. That yeah. was like one of the dopest things. Oh, he stole. Yo, yeah, yeah. This is sick. This is he crazy. stole on Amiglio, and then he took it on tour with us, and we didn't know that he stole it, right? And so he <laughs> he, he was taking pictures, people, and he took Amiglio. photos with the Amiglio, but just Amiglio with like Mount Rushmore in the background, yeah. the St. <laughs> Louis Arch in the background. Took all these photos and put it together a photo book, and then oh, returned. The, the amiglio to the person yeah so he stole he saw he saw it on someone's like patio <laughs> in on long island like probably levittown or something and then just Probably. swore the thing grabbed it like was like yo i got this extra amiglio we're like where the fuck did you get that he's like yeah yeah i just took it from this like patio i saw it it was crazy i, I couldn't believe i saw it so i had to take it so he took it he took pictures of it he made a photo book and then he returned it with the photo book like in its hand and I don't know those people. Somebody has an Amiglio with a photo book with it went worldwide. Not worldwide. <laughs> it went like it went through the country. It went through the country on tour, Incredible. and it got returned like probably a month and a half later. These people probably were, like tripping the fuck out. Like yeah, I, imagine that. Like you just like you're, yeah, like just goes lost, around the world. I love you it. Was some you- dumb robot that was on your patio, and then it just came <laughs> back and it had pictures like it had more. Just had the best time. Yeah, it was like in Florida, it was in Cali, it was fucking everywhere. Love it. So l- let's talk a little bit more about about you know, like the preparation you guys have been going through for this for this gig, man. So, um, you know, what was it like, kind of getting back into a room together and you know, like rehearsing songs? Are we? Um, we we are, haven't. I, oh, you haven't yet. All right, <laughs> no, we'll see. No, it was, it's just been an idea. Like we we did that. So this whole show. Well, no, so we were gonna play that that other show at Irving. Mm-hmm. And then it got canceled because it was like the second wave of COVID. And uh, we were just like, we were like, we just started practicing that day. And then we're like our old manager told us that we had to cancel it because of like the staff. Yeah. And shit. So then we, we were like, all right, fuck it. And then this came about, but we haven't been in a room like practicing these songs since. They, everyone's going to fly in. Everyone lives all over the place. Cameron lives in fucking Tulum, Mexico. Oh my God. Oh Bro my lives, gosh. lives in LA. Yeah, Doug lives in New Jersey. I'm in, I'm on Long Island, keeping it real, you know. So it's like, <laughs> it is what it is, you know. <clears throat> no, I mean, I, I I get it. It's it definitely is tough, you know, with everybody all kind of all over the place. But uh, being that it's an original lineup, are you like, is a the bulk of what you guys think you're gonna play? Is it gonna be like kind of first two records? Or are you gonna pepper in some of the some of the newer stuff? What are you thinking for for that? Or have you even gotten there yet? Are you still just like? conceptualizing everything yeah sort of conceptualizing it i mean like i think that like you know focusing on the early stuff would be really fun because it's like just that nostalgia it's really and we sort of did that the last reunion we did we had the other guys come in and play as well 
But on this one, it's just going to be the OG lineup. So they'll probably be more focused on that, that cool. those first two records. But I mean, you know, there's certain songs off of those second record that, that sorry, the third and the fourth one that are just like still some of our favorites. So I'm sure mm-hmm. we're going to work them in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we really haven't dug deep into that yet. You know, we were all in around each other over the holidays because most of us come back for the holidays. We all family on Long Island still. Sure. We we wrapped a little bit about it, but really the focus was like deciding to do the show and then committing mm-hmm. to the show and making it happen. And it's all sort of all came around really fast. So um, so that's sort of the next thing. But we all have our own spots. Like I, I got to move in to a studio out here so mm-hmm. I can start practicing. And I'm going to be doing that this week. And um, so I think we're just going to try to like learn as much as the catalog as possible and then like figure out how we want to you know, structure it. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, even though you guys haven't been at it for, for a while, at least in, you know, as the sleeping, you know, you guys toured extensively on a lot of that music. So, you know, I'm sure when you kind of get it back in your hands, it's like a lot of it's probably muscle memory, right. You know, just like being like, Oh yeah. You know, I remember this, you know, like, yeah, this, yeah. This hard and this thing, you know, like kind of deal. Right. Yeah, we're all going to, like, run the shit, like, by ourselves, and then we'll yeah. come through and do, like, two practices, and we should be tied, or, you know, or yeah. we'll suck at the show. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think, like, we, you know, you run it, and then we, we know, like, the shit we used to do live, too. We used to always add shit, so that shit comes back quick. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it comes back. It's like, you know, you rehearse it on your own, or you got it in your head, and you forget about it, and then it's just something about just getting into the room with everybody, and it's like, Oh, all of a sudden you're making these choices like you used to. And it's sort of, there's almost no rhyme or reason. It's just, it just starts happening. You're like, all right, cool. So I think allowing for that, that will happen when we get into the room, just going over like the basics, getting the muscle memory, like you said, back mm-hmm. and the, just the normal stuff is, is the, is step one. So, well, but yeah, it, you, know, you have, you have the rhythm section here. So as long as we don't fuck it up, they, they got cake. They don't do shit. So it's just, yeah. it's like, we're holding the whole shit down. So it's like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We got and, and so, and I was always kind of, kind of curious just, you know, because I like Cameron was always just doing such insane shit all the time. Um, yeah, exactly. And I never remember like seeing, like seeing you guys back in the day, like, was he like ever like using like loop pedals or anything like that? Or was like, how was he like recreating some of the stuff you guys did on record live? Cause like he was doing that. And you know, I was, it was dumbfounded me. He's like a very organic player and out of the box. And, but like, yeah, his shit just cha- his pedal boards changing and shit. He was on pedal to- dancing. Yeah, some he used to have like a million pedals. Now he's into no pedals and like doing. And I'm like, I don't know how the fuck, but like, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, back the- he's always changing his setup, like for sure. Yeah. yeah, he's always evolving his thing. He he always was like tap dancing on the pedal board because he always had a ton of them. And then he also had a synth, and um, he would balance you know he would jump and play some synth mm-hmm. in the middle of playing some guitar so yeah it sort of like kept him on his on his toes for sure 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 that, um, that's that's awesome but yeah it's just so um it's so interesting to kind of um you know touch upon that just because it it gives mikey and i a lot of memories because i mean you know i, I can't tell you how many times over the years you know we've we've been able to, to see you guys play and it's been it's been awesome uh you know one time Specifically, I can remember. I think you guys, ah, you played a bamboozle, oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you also played uh, as biker woman. Which uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm really kind of hoping sees another day in court because I don't think 
it got really enough um, enough traction to really get the people going, but I think it could today. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I know that's so long ago, but like, what do you guys remember from doing that? Like was, was the, were, you know, live nation or whoever was doing bamboos at the time where they were just like, you know, we're doing some silly shit. Like the day before the festival, like you guys want to do some, silly oh, shit? No, we played, so we played it and they had a rule. You can't play it two years in a row. But oh, okay. they, were like, they were like, yo, you could play like we're doing like a day before, like everyone's playing secret sets under different shit. Mm-hmm. And we were like, I don't what, what the biker woman thing was like a joke we did on tour. We always would do it. Yeah. It's like I don't know why we just started, I think, like during sound check writing these stupid songs. And then like somehow it turned into like a character. You know, yeah, it was like butt rock riffs. We were like it really was. It was like it was like sick dad rock. Yeah, and then like we would like just fuck around every sound check. Probably every sound guy was like, These guys are so fucking stupid. (laughs) We would do it for like a half an hour and think it's funny and it would be funny for like 30 seconds. But and then we did that show. But was Cameron on that? He was, right? Yeah. He was, yeah, because we did, you know, like we had played it as the sleeping and then, yeah, we couldn't do it. Generally, they, with big festivals, they like to stagger, you know, every, they don't like to have people double up every year. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so the next year that was proposed to us and we're like, yeah, of course we're going to be fucking stupid and have a reason to be <laughs> ridiculous. So yeah. we did that. And then like a few years went by and then we did No, then we played, then we played a three, we played three years in a row. We broke the code. Was the Sebastian Bach thing the third year? Yeah, because like- then Sebastian Bach, our manager at the time, Cameron left the band and we were like in limbo of like getting a new player. And uh, our manager was That's like, oh, Sebastian Bach wants to do, wants to play Bamboozle. He needs a backing band. You guys want to do it? And we're like, yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> question ever. And we're like, so we're like, yeah, yeah, we definitely want to play with Sebastian. Because he was just like all jealous that, uh, uh, Brett Michaels. Like Brett Michaels or some yeah. shit. He was like, I got to do Giant Stadium too. So, like, so we like learned all these tracks and it row songs and fucking, yeah, it was his, fucking his solo stuff. And then, yeah, I mean, that that's a whole story, honestly. Yeah, it was crazy. Going to rehearse with him was completely fucking out of hand, but it was amazing. <laughs> and like, he was the, he was super cool. And then we did Bamboozle with jack from bayside playing guitar and then our buddy double dan also playing guitar yeah and we did it with half sebastian bach set well he just he just decided last minute he's like do you know what i'm just gonna play two songs you guys do your stuff and we're like wait what (laughs) you're back in it now it's the sleeping playing with guest vocal of sebastian it was basically us playing with a guest vocal of sebastian bach yeah and we're like all right i guess so (laughs) so we're like that's a that's a fantastic thing to put on your tombstone, I guess. Right? Oh yeah, it's a weird. Like every time he gets arrested or something weird, I'm like, oh damn, I forgot we played with that dude. <laughs> it was like everything you could you could imagine or you would want out of like an '80s rock star. He is the real. He it's no joke. It's like that's that's exactly who that dude is, man. It's epic. He was epic. But yeah. I don't know how human beings can even like do that. Like I feel like. If I drink like seltzer the wrong way, like I'm gonna die. And well, that's like when we talked with Cone from Sum 41, and he was partying with uh, Tommy Lee, and he's like, "All right, we got Tommy time." (laughs) Just went unbelievably out of control. Yeah, man. All those dudes don't play. 
we we had our we're never like a band we never got like none of us it, it was weird none of us were did any drugs none of us drank coffee everybody drank and we would rage and things would get a little nuts back when we were younger but like no one fucking ever like went down the drug trip on in this in this group everybody yeah. was already like sort of tweaked yeah out. it was like it was like it was like heavy drinking and never anything else it was weird yeah I, I mean, because, you know, I hate to say it, but like, you know, Long Island in general, you know, is a kind of an affluent place, which means that, you know, more kids can afford more designer drugs that are just going to fuck you up for your life. And it's just like it's a cautionary tale, you know, like living around it and seeing it to make you think like, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to, you know, yeah, I won't try the, the shit up my nose or like yeah. pop your pill because, you know, people are fucking nuts. But, you know, that's like kind of kind of how, how things go. But like j- just to kind of talk a little bit about of, of Long Island. So like, you know, I know you guys are kind of dispersed and stuff, but, um, you know, throughout your career, like playing as the as the sleeping, like. I guess the question is, like, where else do you think gave you guys like as much love as like Long Island gave you just like as a band and supporting you? Like, was there like, cause I feel like bands all the time talk about like their hometown and like their second hometown. It's kind of like a big hockey thing too. It's like, you know, Oh, I'm playing for the Bruins. So like the Bruins are my, you know, Boston's my hometown, but really I grew up in like Winnipeg, you know? So it's like, was there ever like a place that you guys other than, you know, kind of like on, on the Island, like really felt at home? Man, there was multiple yeah. places. That yeah. was the cool thing about like being a being a small band and getting in a van and having to start at like playing to ten people at a time because we got to build mm-hmm. these like and cultivate these cool little pockets all yeah. over the country and like and the kids that would come out it would grow really organically. So like they were just like actual fans. So it 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 did feel really at home in places like Butler, Pennsylvania, which was like a weird little town, but like hundreds of kids would come out it would be like a hometown show and then like florida like fort myers and florida and like delaware delaware wilmington like we we just have oh no that wasn't wilmington right it was uh where the hell is it no i don't know there's a wilmington delaware yeah wilmington delaware i feel like that wasn't or maybe i'm tripping maybe that was where we it was yeah was yeah there was all these like little other places that we built like fan like fan at a time so like once you start like growing up with these people like you know you go back you know they're they're like 15 years old coming to a show and then you know you're back there three four years later and they're like 18 19 and super fans and bringing their friends and younger siblings you like yeah it starts to feel like home and we had we were lucky to have a bunch of places around the country like that not really so much on the west coast we were we we hit the east coast a shit ton because everything was short drives mm-hmm. we were in and out of florida non-stop and circul- circulating around we also like we didn't have money behind us like we did this we did it so diy punk rock in the beginning like we mm-hmm. did everything with no money and we yeah. like Joe saying we played like fucking d markets like it wasn't even c market we played like little towns and we would like win over the whole fucking town because we were the only like i don't know i guess touring band that would come through and we would fucking they would like us and then we would just like keep going through that and then when we started like getting bigger then we like finally would get on like real tours 
we were already a band for years. So we were playing like yeah. we would play A markets and people would be driving like from from these fucked up weird places. Like I drove two hours to this major city, you know. It's like it was yeah. crazy. We were building fans in the middle of nowhere. It was like it's awesome. No, it's, it, and it, one thing that helped with the we, you know, like I don't know if, if you guys saw us back in the early days, we used to bring like fuck lights and shit to like small little bars and stuff. So like I at the time worked for like a DJ company. So I like would grab the guy's lights and like take them over. You know, when we're not doing parties, I'd be like, I'm going to borrow these for a minute. And then we'd set them up in like the back of a bar. And there's this hardcore band with a dude who our merch guy at the time would wear like a Luce Libre mask. And he would just control the lights with this like bullshit controller we made. And like, it, it turned into like more of, it was just, there was more theatrics than your, than your standard, like, rock or hardcore band so when we go to these small towns they're not used to this stuff at all and then all of a sudden there's a dude with a lucha libre mask flashing them with bright lights and strobes <laughs> happening it was like a lot we had laser lights we had moving lights we had, we all homegrown we were doing the shit by ourselves it was fucking wild we had spotlights we blew we blew more fucking circuits than any band ever. In the middle of our set, we had so many fucking circuit breakers. We were like, we can't use the floodlights anymore in this house show. And we're like, playing houses with yeah. floodlights in the living rooms and shit. It was sick. No, to come back to hockey, so that kid that wore the mask, he was like one of my best friends growing up, and he was a goalie. And his uh, his little cousin, which we made fun of the whole time, he was our merch guy forever and one of our best friends. His cousin was on like the USA uh, Olympic team. Uh, uh, Jay Joseph, yeah, he's, he's nasty as hell. That's, That's awesome. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah he's, cool. he was like around. He was like a little kid when we were. Yeah, like on Joe's block. It's wild. Yeah, like we, Sal and I met through the band we were in prior to this. Sky came falling, and we were sitting in my parents' house, and Sal gets a phone call from our buddy Jay, and he's like, "Where do you live?" And he's like, "Oh, I live in Levittown." He's like, "Oh, my drummer that I'm with now lives in Levittown. Where?" And he goes, "I live on Saddle Lane." And and he goes, "Joe, where do you live?" I'm like, "Saddle Lane." He's like, "What the fuck?" And so <laughs> Jay lived like you know a block away. We didn't know oh each God. other. He wow. didn't grow up there, and so it, and and the, and Dude, I was on the phone, cool. and I was like, "Walk outside," and I like walk outside, and I start walking down the block, and he's like walking out. It was like a fucking like '80s movie, and we're like, "What yeah. the? F You're like 20 houses away from where I've been like <laughs> the last year trying to make a record." Like, <laughs> Dude, you know, it, it it is so funny how like Long Island is such a small world. I um, so I grew I grew up in Deer Park, and uh, like right next door to me um was uh the the bass player in that band um uh asob the arrogant sons of bitches if you you know remember that yeah, yeah and um you know i was just like learning to play the drums and you know he was i don't know probably six years older th than me but like at the time when i was like 12 and he was 18 like that shit's a big deal you know or, yeah. like some guy in this band who like you know sold 200 tickets at the downtown is like knocking on your door and being like hey man you're getting pretty good like and i'm like oh my fucking god but like as it as it turns out you know like the way things go is you know like jeff rosenstock just like sort of became like this weird like mega star and like you know that guy like was like sitting on my grass one day like just like being like yeah like you know you're you gotta work on like you know playing fast but like other than that you're getting really good and i was like uh you know like that that kind of stuff sticks with you but it like you know, everybody knows everybody. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, leaving Long Island, you kind of miss, like, I don't miss, you know, the 
price of things. I don't miss all of the, you know, bullshit politics or like any of that stuff. But like, I just miss like the camaraderie and like, you miss like running into people and being like, Oh shit. Like, you know, you, you know, what's your favorite diner? Oh, it's this diner shit. I go to that diner all the time. It's like, you know, that those little pockets of things that like, I feel like you don't really get elsewhere, but, um, but you know, like Long Island has, you know, ever, ever since sky came falling, I mean, you know, you guys have like kind of been there in the, the inception of some of these, you know, kind of like bigger Long Island bands that just somehow just like bridge the gap, you know? Um, but if it wasn't for like a band like, you know, Silent Majority or, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, bands like uh, Kill Your Idols and like all of these like bands that kind of started this movement, um, you know, I'm not sure what would have come out of it. So, you know, with you guys kind of being much closer to that, you know, that like kind of, early, you know, mid to late 90s stuff. How do you feel like it's that's influenced you guys? Like, do you feel like it was more of you were playing along with contemporaries or do you still feel like that stuff really influenced you in like a next generation of music? I don't know if you guys ever think about that kind of stuff, but like, yeah, I just feel like, like in the air, like the, like Long Island as a scene musically, it's like, it's got some like thing. Like there's, it's always like people say the scene's dead sometimes. And sometimes people say the scene's crazy, but it's just, it always has, like you're saying, like camaraderie, like camaraderie of everyone, like coming together. And like, everyone's like, I don't know. It's just like something with Long Island. Like there's always like bands fucking hooking each other up and friends and they get something in the water. And it's always a ton of good punk and hardcore bands coming out of Long Island. And it's always been important to Long Island, you know? And I think it's like indicative of the, just the way it's set up. I mean, you're like, you're, you're an Island that's, you know, next to one of the biggest and best cities in the whole world. And mm -hmm. so it's like, there's so much influence and so much cool stuff happening that bleeds its way out. And like, you know, and then people take what they want. They take it and they do what they want with it. And like, yeah, the scene, I, you know, until like I wasn't involved in it, I, I didn't realize how awesome it really was. I always knew it was great, but I just mm -hmm. thought like, man, you know, bands just support each other and bands fucking care about each other. And, you know, you'll make a phone call. Yeah, jump on this show. Jump on this show. Mm -hmm. Let's let's try to like build this together until that sort of like became not a thing for me. I was I, I didn't. I was always surprised that that's just not happening everywhere. So I felt very like fortunate to just be a part of the zeitgeist when that was happening on Long Island. Mm -hmm. Like Sal said, yeah. you know, maybe the scene's not totally dead. I don't know, but I, I, cause I'm not there anymore. I'm not like a young kid in a band there anymore, but like, man, it seemed like no matter where you went, there was always shows happening. There was mm -hmm. like you go to a bigger venue. You could go to a small bar. There's always yeah. five bands playing and, that was a that was an amazing thing to be around at that time. It was like electric. It was it was really funny. yeah. We literally went. We were playing a show and going to a show like every fucking week. It was yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I and like and that was some of the stuff that you know I, I remember about growing up on Long Island that like I, I loved. You know, like I you know Mikey and I spent probably every weekend at the downtown for like probably five or six years straight. Like you know, until they turned into a Croxley's and then it was like, all right, everybody ship over to the donkey. And then like, yeah, you went over the donkey. And I mean, you know, you guys, you know, being, you know, a, a little bit our senior, you know, you guys probably remember, you know, the days of, um, you know, that I just missed when uh, the catering hall in Deer Park would just have shows yeah. all the time. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, you know, it's like that, the kind of progression of things now. So like the, the last guest we had on before you guys, 
uh, was uh, that band Koyo, who are like, I think, probably one of the strongest bands out of Long Island, like in this, like, they're fucking blowing right up, man. They're everywhere. So they're, good. Yeah. And, and they're, and they're, but the crazy thing about them is we were, we were chatting with, with TJ and Harold, and like, you know, even though like they're blowing up, and like, and I think they in the back of their minds know that they're like on that, they're blowing up. But yeah. just, their humility is just still real. You know, they're just still like, we do this because, you know, we love it. And, you know, we don't, you know, we're not out there, you know, trying to like, you know, grade up all this fame. We just do it because we love it and people happen to like it. But I think it's their ethos that they share with like bands like The Sleeping, which was like, let's go out and do it. And see yeah, they're, the they're, cool. they're cool motherfuckers. Like when we were doing that Irving show, I hit them up and I was like, yo, you want to get on? And they were like, so like grateful that we asked they were like fucking stoked they're like mm -hmm. yo fuck they're you know they love the scene more than anything but it's oh, like yeah. awesome because they were like so sick dude we grew up listening all you know all that shit that was awesome that they were saying yeah but you know like our boys are taking them out on tour right now mm -hmm. uh, bayside's taking them out you know those yeah. like oh, cool. and uh the, you know bayside and avalanche and then and Koyo. it's gonna be a fucking sick tour that's awesome yeah and that's like yeah. old school taking out the new school so it's awesome you know it's like just helping motherfuckers like helping the new band and shit yeah hell yeah for for sure um so real quick uh and then i'll uh, toss it over to mikey and we'll, we'll kind of chat a little bit of hockey but um you know as far as like what's on the horizon for you guys you know um are you uh are there any like concrete plans for like new music or anything like that or is or is it are you just kind of you know gonna take it from after the show and see how it goes you know what's what's kind of on the on the horizon for you guys uh, well, we, we said we'll have an announcement at the show. Um, okay. We're kind of keeping it hush what the announcement is, but... No worries. Uh, yeah, I mean, we like, you know, we we just been spending more time with one another than we have in like 15 years. Sure. And so, you know, a lot of things are just getting thrown around. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, we have, we have an idea of how we might want to move forward. And so, yeah, we're going to just like, we're going to we're going to announce some stuff when we get together and play a show and, and then Excellent. sort of, you know, gauge, gauge where we're at at that point. But yeah, I think we're going to like, I think we're just going to have that conversation then, you know, sure. I'll say one thing. I'll say one thing though. Like that day, the show got canceled. We were on, we were in a room together and we were like, fuck it. And we just started like writing riffs together. You know, we were just making a little noise. Sure. And we were like, this is sick, you know, and that, that was, that was all that came of it. And we were just like stoked, you know, and that's awesome. That was and that's a great thing, you know? Yeah. Like the show got canceled. We were bummed, dude. Like Joe came from LA and fucking Cameron came from fucking Mexico. And, and we were all sitting in a room like, wait, the show just got canceled. What the fuck? Yeah, like and like, <laughs> like, I guess we're just in a room. Might as well jam. So we were yeah. just jamming and we were writing some riffs, hanging out, whatever. Awesome. beers. We were in our AMH. So we're like, you know, I used to own that place, and then uh, yeah, sure. I, my old partner's like, "Fuck it, you guys can use it to jam." So we were like drinking beers and just hanging out, and it was cool. It was sick, awesome. Yeah. And and I think that's that's an important thing is you know getting back together with you know old friends and just you know kind of doing what you you know used to enjoy doing and can now enjoy doing with a you know a different perspective in hand. So I really really looking forward to you know whatever that announcement is and the show coming up, but. Uh, um, I'll uh, throw it over to to Mikey up there. Yeah, and before we dive into some more sleeping talk and some more hockey talk, I do have to share a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues 
we're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and the NFL division round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Cool. It's good ad read. I wouldn't be able to do that shit. No way. (laughs) What is the DraftKings thing? Like, is that what what exactly is? Because obviously I see it all the time. I'm not into like, I don't need it. It's a huge betting site. Yeah. It's like the betting site, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't. I don't do the the what is the fucking thing like like fantasy, fantasy. football yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. fantasy. well <clears throat> some of it is like they do they do like parlays and all different stuff but like you can go as simple as just betting on who's gonna win or, or lose and you know over unders and spreads and all that kind of stuff um, it, it's really cool like I had um, uh, I, I don't do much of it just because like I'm broke anyway but like the couple of times like I did gamble on things that I thought were like sure shots like ended up working out and like i got a little bit of scratch from it which is is pretty cool but cool. um yeah if you ever get a chance to just like download the app and the app is like super user friendly too so you can just kind of like dive into it but the the tough thing about it is like if you kind of get the itch for it they do have like stuff where like you could bet like your whole life away on like prop bets and like weird oh, things. I thought, I thought you were going to say they have like help lines. Like, That's so right. Like, oh, well, they do have help lines. See show notes for details. But no, but like the, re- help you out. the reality of it is like they have like prop bets essentially where like, yeah, yeah. you know, so like I'm a big pro wrestling fan. So like every year when like my friends and I would get together <laughs> for like WrestleMania, like we do a huge prop bet and be like how many jets are going to be in like the flyover, like the shit that they do for like Super Bowl prop bets, you know? DraftKings does it, but like they do it on like regular games, and it's stuff that like if that kind of thing really addicts you, like you could screw yourself oh, over. Dude, trust me, you could bet like five bucks on like fifty line items and like be out like two hundred and fifty bucks oh, for like for, it's for bullshit. Ev- it's but everyone nonsense. Like I own bars now. It's like everyone is addicted to that shit right now. They're fucking tripping. It's really? cool. Oh yeah, into like football and shit. I'd be going hard, but like everyone is nonstop at the gambling. We we got into gambling for a period of time on tour because we toured with like a professional gambler, basically who taught us all how to play blackjack for real. And we stopped in like 13 casinos throughout the tour around the country. And we started playing and we all got really into it for a little bit there. Yeah. See, if you have like, if you have like that, you know, sometimes people have that like addictive personality. Like, you know, for me, it's like buying records. Like I'm up to like 500 records. Like I live in like a, a two bedroom apartment. Like I can't fit, yeah. <laughs> you know, and funny story uh, to get the only sleeping record that exists, which we're going to have a conversation oh, about some more existing. Good. Uh, I only have uh, yeah. puke. I only have puke. I wasn't able to get the blue, yeah. but Oh man. I don't even know if I have both of those, man. I got to see if I have those both. But I had to, you know who I had, you know how I had to get it. I, I, I like, I bought it off of some like some homie in Germany. No way, and, really. 
I did. It wasn't wasn't like crazy. I think I spent like overall like maybe fifty five bucks on it, but like. Doug, I, Doug's huge into record collecting. He said that puke right now is like three hundred bucks or something. Yeah, no, it's up. It's it's up there. It's up there now. But it's like, you know, one of those things where, I mean, like, you know, the the Envy Boys, like their records only got pressed once, and like they go for like five or six hundred dollars. Like, it's crazy. But really? you know, when you when you get into like that kind of stuff, like it can kind of it can make or break you. And for me, it has broken me. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but man. you know, if you guys end up, it, seems like, more it seems like that shit like goes up in value. It's kind of an investment, no? So, but it it can be, but you know, like the the place where it hits you, and I'm not gonna get too crazy into this, but like, you know, it's like it's like anything. It's like when, like baseball cards, right? You get like a limited edition rookie card, and it's like the only rookie card they put out for this guy, right? And then a year later, they put out like a hollow foil, and then they put out of this and of that, and it devalues yeah, your rookie right. card. And that happens with like record, like, you know, if you like, you know, if you guys ever down the road decide, oh, we're going to press our whole discography, like those, you know, Q&A copies, like aren't, they're not going to be worth as much because you're putting more out there. But at the same time, it could also work in the other direction where, you know, people are like, oh, fuck, like these are the OGs, like I will pay three grand, you know, three times more for them. So it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. I'll tell you, our old label printed them without even telling us, and they Shit, just really fucking copy it to each, and then like, yeah. and then another label bought our whole old label's catalog. So I don't think I don't see them printing any of that shit on vinyl. I I don't know. I mean, you know, like you hear you hear like horror stories about bands that have worked with Victory, like. But you also hear the opposite. So yeah, it's hard. Victory, it's hard. Victory, <laughs> hard. Victory helped helped like propel some of these bands with their platform. But every band on that label went through fucking hell and and probably never made real money. And that's one of the things that like getting together and doing the show and anything else we might do. The one of the, our one of the motivations is taking the, our power back in any way, shape, or form we can because yeah. we've been through a bunch of bullshit on that side of like the typical story that you hear. It's like, it was very real in our world. And then some, so I think moving forward, a lot of that is like spite driven. Like, yeah, you you know, we're doing this for our ourselves here because like we, you know, we, we did okay. When we were a band, Mm -hmm. we like, you know, we, we did decent and never saw any real kind of compensation at all. So, yeah, it's like, you know, that that won't ever happen again. Yeah, and there's we, a- we had like big things, you know, we were on Guitar Hero and shit and Tony yeah. Hawk and Matt mm-hmm. and Madden, you know, and a lot of shit. And we were just like that, normal, you know, that's big pay for a lot of bands. That was like with victory. Yeah. You don't get dick, you know, so it's like and and, you know, the sucky thing about it is like when you not that like, you know, there's a ton of discourse about it, but the reality is like that's that is like truly like predatory behavior it's like a record label knowing that you guys are young and you know this may be your first rodeo and you know they're gonna throw the glitz and glamour of being like hey we'll pay you you know not to grant you know not to cut you off but no please one of the the reality of it was that we weren't super young we already had a label we were in a bit of a position that we mm-hmm. saw that we were in between a rock and a hard place, so to speak. And we, we made a decision being like pretty well-informed 
Yeah. And even at that point, what was on paper, we hoped would at least be delivered, even though it might not have been the most fair thing. And th like the, 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 the deception was worse than we could have imagined, really. We, we, we thought we were prepared going into this as not like uh, we weren't 17, you know? Yeah, we're like, okay, we're in our early to mid 20s. We, we know a little bit about this world and it didn't matter because, mm -hmm. like, essentially, it was worse than what, what, it, what we thought. Yeah, and people with power just do what they want no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's like if it's on paper or not it's just like well what then do something about it and when you're and when you're like regardless of whether you're young band or old band if you're not if you don't have a lot of power you're or or clout yeah you're in a bit of a, a hard situation it's hard to compete against a multi-million dollar record label yeah. um when you're on your own so it's yeah, like sure. you know and that's what all those bands dealt with so it, yeah. it's it's just, and that's what I mean by it's even a little darker than than you think, because the story is, yeah, these young, wide-eyed people get sucked in because it's like yeah, it's all that glitz and glamour. But yep. it wasn't, even, it wasn't even that. It was like we knew what was happening, but it still went darker than we thought. And it's just like, oh crap, this the underbelly of this is like, is 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 deeper, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, like when people say like labels take advantage, like victory was so fucked up, it was like in a whole nother realm of of craziness. Like uh, he took he took advantage of like fucking friends passing away and and every opportunity that would propel him, he took advantage. And it was like it was just on. He would he would do the craziest. Fuck. There's a whole there's a whole like online. Someone wrote a whole ridiculous blog that was yeah. like it's actually pretty sick. But we lived half that shit, you know, him getting yeah. prostitutes and like mm -hmm. spending people's money and fucking doing all this crazy shit. And because when you were in town, he was your best friend. He was he was spending money and he was like, yep. he's like, come to my house, buy whatever the fuck you want. And then you left and you like never saw shit again. So it was like, yeah. And, you know, you get like, you know, you got like a, a, a bit of a hype on a record and you hope for support. And it's like, it's just not there with such a, a legitimate label behind you, at least you think it, it, there's, yeah, there's just, it, there was no, the, the people at the label were the saving grace because the people at the label were so awesome and they liked what we were doing and they liked us as people as we, you know, did them. So it was like, mm -hmm. that was our, like, you know, that was the savior of being sure. part of that world, you know, like the people, yeah. but like getting things done and, it was just so difficult. We had to even, you know, like Sal said before, we were doing shit from the jump, ground up, grassroots. And when we were on a label of that magnitude, we thought that that might have to, that might be able to stop, but it really didn't. Yeah, it we still had to do everything on our own um, for the most part. You know, it was like, yeah, it's a lot of, but you know, this is not an uncommon story, which is unfortunate. And yeah. nowadays, Hopefully that's going to start to change because a lot of people are taking the power in their own hands. You have a mm -hmm. platform now. You could do a little bit more on your own. So it's like, you know, I mean, hopefully that whole old guard sort of gets phased, <coughs> you know? Yeah, you, you'd you really hope so, um, you know. And I mean, there are a lot of, you know, labels out there that, you know, we've had the the pleasure of of working with and communicating with that are, are, are doing it the right way. You know, Pure Noise being one of them that, you know, has – uh, you know, really kind of taking the mantle up on being able to, um, you know, give their bands like the real support they need, you know, like to the, 
sometimes almost to the label's detriment, you know, but I yeah, think there aren't good things about them. Yeah. Actually. It's crazy. And, and, and it's like crazy to think like, um, for like a band four years strong, like literally re-recorded a whole record so they could like own it again. Yeah. Like that's what it comes to with like some of these crazy contracts and stuff where it's like, you know, like you can't do anything with your music. And if a label folds and it gets sold to this guy and this guy and this guy, you don't know, you don't even know where to get it, you know? So oh, we've been, we've been having lawyers like just trying to like change a picture on Spotify. Like we're just trying to figure out how the yeah. fuck to get something back out of that shit. It's the crazy. Whole mess. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and to think like, I think, you know, the worst thing about that is just like, it's just, you know, you guys are out there, you know, like, doing what you like love to do but at the same time like i mean like it's not like you guys are living in a cloud i mean you know like you have bills to pay and you know mortgages to pay and shit and it's like you know when you're not getting compensated for doing essentially what's your job regardless of how cool that job is it's fucked up you know yeah it made it makes it very it made it very hard to stay active when you're like constantly every musician's fucking been through it. You know, it's not, it's not yeah. like a new story, you know, it's just like you make the sacrifice cause you really want to do it. And then when you get a taste of a little bit of success or you get a taste of like, Holy shit, you know, these people know these songs that I wrote and like mm -hmm. they're, they're liking coming to the show. It's hard to not want to keep that moving. So like you, you put up with a lot of shit that you otherwise probably wouldn't normally put up to like yeah. keep that addiction fed. And then that, you know, then that turns into a bigger and more, you know, detrimental addiction as older you get. And, but like, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the mistake that a lot of these labels make is they don't give the young people guidance, like more so than money. It's like money. Yeah. Would really help, but no one sat us aside and said like, yo, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And mm -hmm. like just a few little tips from people that are in the business and know, like probably would have saved us a lot of time and energy. And that shit is the stuff that eventually like it, it dissolves bands. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That's the stuff that eventually breaks people down, starts people on this horrible path. It's like, if, if there was people that actually cared more in that industry, it'd be a healthier place. And, you know, it's just uh unfortunate Unfortunately, it's really not the case. But I yeah. do, I do feel like back to my point. I do feel like now it's starting to change. I think, I think it's starting to finally change. So yeah, we we'll can see. hope. We can definitely hope. But to kind of tie this to hockey and also keep good it luck. I'm interested to see how you're gonna <laughs> and keep this a little sleeping as well. You guys had a historic logo, and you know, obviously with with hockey there's some historic logos as well yeah. i just want to know the the backstory of the bunny like where did they come from and like were you surprised it stuck around and like so you many want, people have like that probably tattooed on their body what so i said do you want the made up like fake story we used to say or you want like the true story of where <laughs> the bunny came i don't even remember the made up story we we always like well we used to like take the name the sleeping and turn it into this like crazy really really what the whole sleeping thing came from was so like cameron's brother is like a graphic designer um he's been in a bunch of hardcore events he's actually playing the show he's in death spiral um sick Avitus. yeah so and it's cool like he has two daughters they, they like kind of 
getting older, so he's back in bands and shit, so it's sick. But uh, so he was going to design a website before we even were called to sleep and we didn't have a name. And I don't even think Doug was even in the band. We were just like moving forward with shit. And he was like, yo, let me show you um, my work. Like, Yeah, let me show you my work. I have a portfolio online that I use for work. And he was like, he's like a legit motherfucker. He has like dope shit online. He worked for, you know, huge companies. So his his website was called thesleeping.com. I have no fucking clue why or how it ties into his art. I mean, his whatever, his web designing. And it was thesleeping.com. The logo was the bunny. And we're talking about like the, he's showing us the website because it was like a dialing pad. I remember this whole shit because so it was like it was like a phone, it was like a phone pad and it was like go to the homepage, dial 12. So you like hit 12 and then it would take you to home. It was like a cool little thing. And I remember just like saying to Karen, like, yo, what the fuck is the sleeping.com? He's like, oh, he just named his portfolio that to send like work there, like people to check it out. And then I was like, yo, let's take that fucking name, dude. It's sick. And like, and, and the bunny like, was oh. there. And, yeah, like, and the bunny was like- logo, it was literally the bunny logo with this. <laughs> and he got it out of some like Japanese book from back in the day. And it was the edited it. It wasn't the bunny, I think, it was a changed lot it up, and, like started as coming from that. And crazy. Basically, Cameron's brother named the band. It's pretty- he did everything. Because <laughs> we, we, me and Sal, if it was up to us, we had, we had. Some oh, dope. we had the best names, dude. It was great. We had, we had like, we would sit at my house and just try to come up with names all fucking day. And we, we, we really, we thought we nailed it on the head. We, we, we had this. like hilarious as fuck. I, this is the best story because but, we, like, uh, it's just so stupid. But like. We're like, we're going to tell Cameron we got it. Like, we don't need him to keep thinking. We finally did it, whatever. And we went to bed that night really excited about the name Digital Daydream. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, this is it. We did it. We finally did it. Cameron's going to fucking love it and shit. And then the next morning when we woke up, we call each other. We're like, well, we. No, it was like, yo, it was like 4 a.m. We're sitting (laughs) in his kitchen in Levittown, straight up. Like, we have like 50 names on a thing. We're like digital, we're like daydream, we're like whatever, hockey. And next thing you know, we're like, yo. And we're straight up delirious because we're like digital daydream, dude. And we yeah, look at each other like, that's it. We did it. We fucking <laughs> did it, dude. And then like we go home and the minute we both wake up, well, I remember like one of us called each other and we're like, yo, yo, chill. Don't tell Cameron. Don't tell, don't tell Doug. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's the like that's the worst name I've ever heard in my life. And we're like up would have been the worst name ever yeah so so we were almost digital daydream the 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 logo would have been like a fucking unicorn or some shit (laughs) but yeah no so that's the real story of the bunny i mean it's not it's not extravagant or anything really exciting but like we just thought we're like man you know it's so hard to have that thing feel natural like pick us a band name and then pick a logo like it's so hard to like try to force that so we knew that wasn't going to happen. And when this thing just happened and his brother's like, yeah, man, you guys could have it if you want it. Like, it's just cool. We just thought it was effortlessly cool. And when it's that easy, you got to sort of, you got to like recognize that, you know, yeah. so we did and made a move. And did you think it was going to stick? Like, as like, cause that's when I think I of think... the sleeping, like that's one of the first things that comes to mind. Yeah. And like, all these years we, later, there's probably we, thousands of I people that have that tattooed on them. We made the decision to keep it consistent and like yeah. edit and everything. And we were like, this is going to be the logo. Let's let's do it. Let's put it everywhere. 
and it kind of made sense with us because it doesn't make sense. So like we don't make sense normally, but it's like so. Yeah, you're I right. That. You're right back then. Yeah, fuck it. I just he, keel he, over and just call something. He's falling apart. Last episode, one ninety, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, every day could be my last. So I guess as I also hinted at, so. What what are some of your favorite NHL logos? That there's some historic ones. Do you have a favorite? I guess we can go Joe first. Man, I mean, like this is so cliche, but I just I think I was of the age, man. Like when the Mighty Ducks came out, like I was just of the age. I was in the team. I you know like I just thought that was so dope. And then like you know what was it? Paul Korea, Timu Solani, like that that squad, man, was like a powerhouse squad. The team was like, you know, had this gimmick thing surrounding it because of the movies and shit. But I just, it was just so exciting to be a kid and like to see a like this, what was just like a Disney movie or what, like just now it's like a real thing and they're good. And it was, uh, it was just exciting. So, I mean, that's definitely, that was up there for me. I mean, the Islanders was always like a point of contention because I think the original logo, the OG logo is like, a bit timeless and then they went to like the fit the the you know the fisherman situation the fucking what was it what was the uh the gordon fisherman gordon fisherman dude yeah like when they went to that i was just like i like i was like the colors you guys are you know trying to make it more exciting with this color combination but the with the extra teal in there and shit but like that was a little bonkers to me that that dude uh, I, I you know um i never really i never messed with that one but um, and now what is it? Now it's it's that's gone, right? And now it's just is it just the NY, like the New York? What is no? The- they went back to their classic logo, and then actually yeah. they they do this new thing called the reverse retro, and a few times a year they'll wear like a jersey from their past, and this year is actually the fisherman. So they kind of took away <laughs> some of the teal, put it on like a navy blue jersey, and the fisherman's back. Oh my god! The they even brought the their old logo back. I mean, not their old logo, their old mascot. I'm not sure if you ever went to any games when when they wore the fisherman, but it was like this probably I mean massive like fisherman like dude that had a gold light on his helmet, and he was just super like he was like pre gritty days, so like you know gritty for the Flyers, how he's just like a lunatic, like yeah, having this creepy seven foot tall like bearded man be your mascot oh my god i mean i missed i i was definitely going to games at that time but i'm i definitely i don't remember that shit that was like i mean <coughs> what is that that's like 95 years yeah yeah that's like that's like uh eric fisho and like tommy sallow dude like that, yes those years but man the, i you know like when you look at like and that's the thing like so you know, Mikey was talking about like the simplicity of the, of the sleeping logo of the rabbit, right? It's just like, it's sleek, it's simple. Like there's not, you know, a bunch of intricacies and it's like, there's something that's like, just kind of like sleek about it. And like a lot of, there are a lot of like NHL logos that are timeless just because they're like, they're sleek just because they're not like super like the Red Wings logo. Like to me, that Red Wing is like, is just like classically NHL. No, that's one of the dopest logos in the, right? in the, in the yeah. nothing sure. fancy about it, nothing crazy, just a red ass wing. And it's like, that's it. 
And the and the fucking Habs, uh, what is you it? Just it's think a, hockey when you see that shit. Shoe, you know? uh, yeah. Horseshoe, yeah, right. So it's just like some what some of the. You know what I liked? Um, what was it? I think back in the day it was like the Phoenix Coyotes, right? Oh, the Kachina. Was that what it was? Oh, it's beautiful. I love that logo. That oh, logo was sick, dude. The colors yeah. were sick. Um, was that Fe- was that Phoenix Coyotes? Am I right with that, or was that like? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah, it had that like time. Mesa look. Yeah, it was. It was yes. sick. And that then, was a, uh, that was dope. And we were talking. It's so funny. Last episode, we were talking about the the Sabers, and Mikey just kept talking about the Slug logo that was like around awful. for a couple of years. It was I don't even like, remember that. Dude. That was pretty awful. It was like. Really? It was like a like a ram head, like whatever. No, you're, 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 mixed, you're no, that one's good. The ram head oh, okay. is good. The slug yeah. is early two thousand sabers. So like when Thomas Vanek was on the team and oh, Jason okay. Pominville. I'll show you okay. after we record. It's awful. That, so that's like Dominic Kashik years, like. I think Kashik wore it a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, who was yeah, the, yeah. oh, also the Avalanche, the Colorado Avalanche at the in the nineties. Like I was a fan of that whole thing i think i was always so visually drawn to this like just that's just the way my my brain works and so like i don't really know too much about hockey but i'm remembering these jerseys because i like the designs of some of them you know what i mean oh yeah um, it's a big thing i mean that's just speaking to the label again like i was always confused with the fucking bunny we just picked the bunny because it was like well, this is just simple and it's cool and it's effective but always i think all of us were probably like what the fuck is this thing even but like <laughs> it just it just was like it was simple and effective yeah, like it's yeah, like you could take something with a meaning or you could just give it a meaning as you go you know it's yeah like, it's like what there's so many ways to go about it but like when you see something visually you're like it at least like it's always like puts a question mark because so many motherfuckers are always even like you know parents and shit they're always like What's the bunny? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's yeah. bunny, you know. It's like, I don't know, make you think, right? I don't know what the fuck. It's, it's just something that's <laughs> different. You know, it seems different than like a normal band, like skull and crossbones type shit or something. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah, but, it was a little, the juxtaposition between the music we were making and what that thing looked like, we also just thought was interesting. You know, it was like, well, this sort of doesn't quite fit. Yeah. So we might as well lean into it, you know? Yeah. I would say it's one of, the more historic you know band logos because some band logos don't really stick around much or they don't have lasting power you know bayside has one that's been around for like 30 years that that's one's a logo. that's a sick logo but there's some others i'm like wait a band that band had a logo like it just yeah it doesn't always and and i think up. that when you when you talk about logos too like for me at least like i think of not only logos but like iconic like I like Long iconic t shirts, like I don't know. Like I don't like the movie life logo, like is really like I'm I you know, it's like the you know, the red and the linear thing, but like when I think of the movie life, I think of the fucking B, you know? Yeah. And the B was never like their logo. I think the B was just like a shirt they had, you know? So it's like your your brain kind of like sticks to stuff like that, like uh, you know. It just again, it, it all comes back to nostalgia, I think, which is like what really you know kicks people in the pants. It's like, you know, one of the reasons that you know I'm sure the show sold out in ten minutes is because people were like, "Wow, like I didn't think I'd get to hear these songs again." So like, you know, let's dust off the old boots and like go for it one more time. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's like, it's it's powerful when like you know you have 
a band that you're a fan of and you just never think you're going to be able to see them. And yeah. like, I just had that moment. I was playing, I, I, I like was recently on, on tour and we were in Mexico and we played a festival out there and uh, Liam Gallagher played. Oh, and, wow. like, um, and, you know, I expected to see Liam Gallagher songs or whatever. And we went and he played like mostly Oasis. Oasis, yeah. And awesome. like, I, I wasn't a fan when they were around when I was like, in, when I was a teenager, I wasn't like super, a super fan. And I've mm -hmm. since grown to really love the band. And so like, you know, in the last 20 years, I've just been able to really just listen to the shit on my headphones and, you yeah. know, um, to see it, I didn't realize how, how effective it would be, like how much it would hit me. Like I, I watched this dude play these songs and like, I just never thought I'd see one, mm -hmm. one of the dudes, like the singer of Oasis singing those songs. Mm -hmm. And it was super powerful. And it was one of the best. Not only was it great, but it was like one of the best like shows I've seen in such a long time because of that, that fact, you know, that's just such a moving thing to be able sure. to do. So it's like when when we were considering doing a reunion, one of the things that Cameron had said was he was like, man, you know what, let's just we'll just do this. He said it earlier on. This was when we were supposed to do Irving. Like, let's just do it because it's going to be just so much fun for everybody involved if they could come out because we're all going through such a hard time with this COVID thing. Like yeah. let's just like make it fun for people. And that was enough for, sure. for me to be like, yeah, what are we doing? Like, let's just do this. So who gives a shit? Let's yeah. just do it and have fun. And you know, um, yeah, I mean, if, if anybody feels that way at all, even remotely close to that, then it's enough of a reason to like, you know, get out there and play some fucking music, you know? Well, I'm, I'm sure there's, tons of people that are going to be losing their minds at that show. And I, yeah. I'm going to try one more attempt to turn this into hockey talk. <laughs> so if your heart was broken, you'd be dead. That's like an anthem, right? Like you can hear your fans like chanting that. And a lot of times that's what you associate with like a, a team's goal song. And I'm just curious, like when you wrote that song, did you want it to be like the anthem song? Did you think it was going to be like the song that your fans gravitated towards? And I'm sure you're going to be hearing your fans chanting for you guys to play that song at this reunion show. Yeah. I'll let Sal answer the shit. But like, what I will say is that the sleeping doesn't like, we've never like been the band to, to like come up with a plan and like execute the fucking exact, you know, it's, that's just not, yeah, shit comes natural or it just doesn't happen. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not like this like grandiose, um, structured, uh, kind of kind of plan. It, it's it's always coming from us just being ridiculous and then somehow things sticking and just paying attention to what organically is working. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, the whole that song came through with actually me and Joe. Like we were we were in Flushing. Joe Joe was like we were leaving Joe's friend's house, Jeremy. Uh, Joe was driving this yellow Mitsubishi three three hundred GT, like pimped out, fucking stick shift, fucking sports car. Uh, he was bumming on some chick, right? You were bumming on some chick. Was that the vibe? Probably, yeah. That yeah. Was so he was bumming on some chick, and it was kind of like a joke, you know. And I was just like, I was like, dude, if your heart was broken, you'd be dead, you pussy, whatever. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and. It was like, yeah, 
wait, what? And like, <laughs> and then we were just like, yeah, dude. And I was like, yo, we should just make a song with just that dumb lyric, and that's it. Like, and it's just like, and then it just evolved into like, yo, it's just girl girls chanting it. And then like, yo, it's but we just- had we had this other freaking. My old boss asked us to write a song. He he's a bit of a maniac. He's like, write this song for the fucking football or for like sports teams and shit. And we we're like, yo, we're we're a hardcore band. We're trying to write some fucking some shit. We like enough. But so jokingly, we we started like writing music and like for, like silly songs and shit. But the song had this dope hardcore breakdown thing. And like it had this like uh, this really ethereal guitar lead, and we're like, we just sort of Frankenstein this thing together. And then one one day on tour, I was listening to like jazz, and we were driving around listening to jazz, and I'm tapping da 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 da, da, da. and I was like, man, that's you know the jazz jazz swing is like in three four. What happens if I put that in four four? And then it became and I was like, yo, what happens if we just took that breakdown? connected it with the stupid fucking sports song breakdown and then like and then we were like then what and so yeah like at the studio we just improvised yeah, we three just, different jams the first half is us just jamming like so it's just an improvised jam and then we went we were stuck in the studio for for like a week or two straight in the dead of winter when we made the first record and we were like we literally didn't leave the fucking inside building and up in Woodstock New York and we went out to see a show and we met these girls who like, I think Doug knew or something. And we're no, like, oh, no, we just met them at the show, dude. Did we just meet them? Yeah. So we met these girls at the show and we're like, yo, we have this piece of music and this is what we think like we might want to do with it. You guys want to just come back and like record the vocals. And we were just, I was in there conducting them and we were just, like, <laughs> out screaming, like, you can be louder, do this, do that. And we're just winging it and just having fun with it. And then it turned into like, this fucking ridiculous amalgamation of of noise and and then that was i don't know and then i don't even think i i don't know how it came to be a live thing either like well you know so it's it's funny i have pretty vivid memories and as i'm thinking about them seeing you guys play how how funny this really is to me but like i i've seen you guys probably two or three separate occasions essentially get bullied by the crowd yeah like we're playing it whenever well, we made a rule they we only say play it. It. we only play it if the crowd chants that's the rule we made for ourselves yeah but like it was it it was like a great thing because like i'm sure you guys wrote out a set list and then like you get to like song three or song four and it would just happen and like everyone would just be kind of like looking at each other like <laughs> well i guess it's, good. Yeah. it's now or fucking never and yeah. uh Another sick memory I have that just cropped up in my brain was I think going to Connecticut. Was it Connecticut, Mikey? Yeah. To see we, you guys. And I think so you guys were playing with, with was that with Alexis and Fire? That was. Yeah. It was Alexis and Fire. It was a small show. That was homie sick. from Alexis and Fire just kept body slamming people into the crowd. So the crowd <laughs> surfer would get on stage. He'd literally scoop slam them back into the crowd. Dude, it was <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. Dude, but that yeah, that was. That, that day, was a me and Steele drank a whole bottle of whiskey. It was like this honey whiskey he was drinking. The bass player of Alexis on fire, and it was fun. Yeah. Wild, dude. We had that some was, we had some fun times with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that was I think Census Fail tour. was on that show too. Census Fail, I think, was on. Yeah. It was us, yeah. Alexis, uh, Seosin, and Census yep. Fail. Yep. And that was a really fun, that was a really fun tour. We we got very close with the Alexis guys and like 
um, because they still weren't like they were big in Canada, obviously, but in, in America, they still weren't huge. And yeah. so it was uh, we really rode down with them hard on that. It was that was a good one. Man. That was really fun. Yeah. And I, I guess I'll share my story of if your heart was broken, you'd be dead. I went to see Bayside at the Crazy Donkey. You guys were not even on the bill, but I think like Doug was there. Maybe some of you guys were there as well. And I think the Bayside crowd, since like there was a lot of crossover between their fans and your fans, they saw Doug like side stage. And the crowd actually started chanting, if your heart was broken, you'd be dead. Those are the days, man. Those are the days. That's crazy. And Doug actually came out. And then, like, the Bayside dudes played the song. And Doug did the the whole (laughs) thing. It was just so wild. See, Doug's so fucked up. He probably never even told us about that. Yeah, I don't even know about this. I got to find out on this podcast. This is, like, such an epic thing. 20 years later. Yeah, that's that's my version of that, that song. Man, that that song brings me some of my favorite memories when we're in the band because I think like it's always like that moment in the set where just hell breaks loose, you know, no matter what. And it's it's where the phones come out and it's where shit gets crazy. And so I guess you get to relive it a little bit after the fact, too, sometimes. So like I've seen like the last video of our last reunion show, it was complete bananas. And like the first show we ever the first record release we ever did, which was at the Irish American Center in Mineola in like 2004 there's video of that and i still have i remember heart was broken and video of that and it's just going complete and insane um i, I just love it because it's one of those things that's like almost so stupid that it's like awesome you know yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like it's so it was one of those things that we just thought up it was so dumb and it ended up being an awesome thing 20 years later people still think it's funny and fun and it's just it's crazy and so I think it works because we never took we never take ourselves super serious with that kind of shit. Like it is fun. That's what it is, and that's that's it. You know, there's like you know, yeah. We're and not nitpick apart. I love that. I've I've one last question. Um, this is maybe picking your brains. I don't know how long you guys did it for, but this is just another part of like memories about seeing you guys and uh, and just having a blast. But uh, how long was? Yo, shit's going down. Uh, happening for oh, was dude, that, like, that, was, that was like the first four years of our lives, and then of the band's life, and then like it, it then yeah, then it just like no, we probably went longer, but then we stopped it, and then yeah, what? Where? How did that even start? Oh, you saw that? That's when we were like straight up booking our own shows. Like that was that was the small ass sleeping shit. It was dope. That was the section. Yeah, that was like us in this band, uh, Escape Engine from. From Jersey, and they're like, a great band, yeah, awesome band, great fucking people, and we toured with them a bunch, and we just played so many VFW shows, and that was always the most ruckus times, and and yeah, that was that era. I don't even remember why that shit started. I don't remember how it ended, but it was just another one of those silly like, you know, sleeping isms that just just popped up and stuck around for a minute. But it's great because like you know that's like lasting memories I have of like. This is going back twenty years. You yeah, know, that's like, a long time ago. Remember, like the first time, the first time, like I, I saw you guys do it. I, I thought it was like the most unintentionally hilarious thing ever. Yeah, yeah. You, you and especially because as a fan, dude, you just proved yourself, kid. Dude, I, like, but the funny thing is, like, you know, I, I always felt like 
Doug was just one of those guys who had this like just overwhelmingly commanding presence. And maybe it's because, you know, when I was watching you guys, I was, I was younger. I was, you know, 18 and 19 and stuff, but I always felt like that guy was just like bigger. I, I like just something about like his voice and, and like how loud he was. Like he could just like He's loud. command a crowd. Like he could. And like, and like, come to think about it now, like, you know, like having like, you know, met him and interacted with him and stuff. It's like, you know, he's like, a, you know, he's, he's just like a sweet guy, but he's a normal guy. But, you know, when you're down on the other side of the stage, it's like there's a especially at that age, there's like so much when you're still kind of figuring out shit. Yeah. And, you know, you like a special when his when it yeah. all comes together and like he has that moment, he has a yeah. special thing that he could really rock a room you know and he, he Doug is like really yeah. you know innately like charismatic you know like he really just has he's a welcoming presence you know what i mean yeah. on and off the stage like you feel like you can open up to him and i think when he gets on stage and he opens up i think people appreciate that vulnerability you know and like they, it resonates with them and i yeah. i it's also an, it's just another part of like the og sleeping that i think it's the reason why the shit made sense the silly stuff that we did yeah. doug being that kind of person like yeah it sort of fits in the whole story you know sure and awesome. my final question is kind of a silly one but can you tell us what went down at yoga yo gabba gabba or was it the sesame street or like one of those kids shows that you guys played oh, on like played how did that on. freaking happen oh yeah that was fucking wacky what was that cartoon network? it was a cartoon, cartoon network show yeah. but it was like a kid show on cartoon oh, network. What, what really happened was we were on warp tour and fucking our label called and they were like yo hawthorne heights can't do this show in georgia and we're like we're in buffalo and they're like <laughs> yeah so we're gonna they're like tonight, you're getting on a plane. To play. Oh, the morning, in the yeah, morning, more whatever. Like four a.m., you're getting on a plane to fly to Georgia, and we're like, yo, we're not missing our fucking warp tour show. Like that shit's it was happening. For we were doing some dope shit, and we were like stoked about it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but you got to play in front of these like four year olds jumping around, and we're <laughs> like. We're like, wait, what? So we like played a song about like a friend that passed away. Like, I don't know, it was really fucked. We up. didn't know it was gonna be like in front of all these little kids. We thought it was yeah. like gonna be a cool Cartoon Network thing. We got there, there was literally like little baby, like five year old kids, <laughs> and we planned to play a song about our our friend who passed away. So it's we're playing this heavy, this this emotionally heavy tune, and these little kids they don't understand the lyrical content, and they're bouncing around. We're looking at each other like, yo. What the fuck is our life right now? Like, this is the most ridiculous shit. No, it was ill too because the announcement's like this little kid, and they're like, "I yeah. know they're sleeping." And it's like some wild shit, dude. This is indicative of like our whole shit. Like, we always got caught up in weird, wacky situations like this. But what was cool about this one was that so we did the thing. We're like, all right, we got we we did it, and then we got to jump on a plane and go right back to Buffalo. And Buffalo was one of those spots that we talked about before. Like it was it, at times it was like a home away from home. We had a good fan base there, and so for Buffalo Warp Tour, we land and we're like we're like forty minutes away, and our sets in like an hour. And the dude was like, "Yo, I'm gonna get you there." And we're like, "Oh shit!" So we throw all of our stuff in this like what was it like a limo or something? No, he, he I remember he had an Escalade, but it was all blacked out, so it was like yeah. limo style. It was like Biggie Smalls basically. And we're like in this Escalade, and he's like, "He's doing, he's going the highway, scary fast, scary fast." Like I'm like, "Dude, this dude's gonna kill us." But he's, 
He speeds, he gets us there at showtime. Our techs were fucking awesome and set up most of the stuff. And we get on stage and we made the show. We 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 had like cut like a, a song or something, but we we made this we made the show, which was insane that it happened. Yeah, but um I remember they were like pissed too. The stage manager like from for Warp Tour was like, fuck you, you're not playing. And we're like, no, we got it. We're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be there, we'll be there. And and we we got there. But yeah, that was a crazy. That was that was a crazy situation. I'm not gonna lie. I spent like 30 minutes on my lunch break today trying to find that video, and I can't oh. find it because oh, I, I remember when I it came it. out. Like, you know, this is absolute punk days. Yeah, absolute I think punk it's like, it. Oh, that's right, absolute punk. I forgot about that. And I'm like, I remember them being on like some kid show, and it made no freaking sense. And <laughs> the I was other like, thing I that's scary fuck. to me too. Is like. So like you know, you guys end up playing. I I, I presume you're talking about Heartbeats, which is you know yeah, yeah. Be- beautiful song. But like, what would Hawthorne Heights have played? Like their most popular song yeah. literally says "Cut my wrists and black my eyes." <laughs> so like they were gonna play that in front of these four year olds, and they're gonna be like, yeah, like I mean that's that's like just true victory shit. They would just say they don't give a fuck. They'd be like, yeah, we're gonna give you like this. Death metal bands for fucking, you know, they they didn't care what it was. They were just yeah, nuance, nuance, and like thought was just really not in the in the ether when it, it you know, in that in that camp over yeah, there. Yeah, so. it, it seems it seems a lot like you know, and again, you know, we could go on this path for days, but we won't. But it just seems like you know, Victory is one of those labels who is like you know, oh wow, this is you know, this shit is I can sell this shit. So let me just sell the shit and make a bunch of money and yeah, yeah, yeah. and I mean, off like, into the sunset, like, you know like any label you know you throw all the fucking bands against the wall one sticks yeah and you pump everything you got into that and everybody else has sort of got to pay the price and that's you know at the time we had a little bit of something going on we like we're sticking but it was like remember those balls that you used to get and you used to throw against the wall and they would splatter and then start rolling yeah, like slowly, like, yeah. falling off slowly <laughs> rolling down and you know you gotta keep you gotta fucking pull that shit off and throw it again but like you usually only get one shot so it's like you know um that's just the that's the breaks man that's why like you know again we're just trying to keep anything that we do from this moment on for the most part in our own hands you know yeah we're gonna try to make our own decisions we're just smart we're just stoked that like people still give a shit fucking 20 years later and it's pretty amazing that like people are actually (laughs) like fucking we want we want to support those motherfuckers like yeah keep those motherfuckers around that really give a shit about our what we do and what we create and you know and i mean you know there's only a handful of people that can say that they were you know Sebastian Bach's fucking backing band for, <laughs> for for two songs, and you and you guys can confidently do it. So, uh, but etched in stone, man. Um, I, I, we're super super stoked for the for the show coming up. Uh, if you want, real quick, I mean, it's sold out, so it's not like anybody can get a ticket. But uh, when's the show going down? Uh, February seventeenth at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Dope. February seventeenth. You guys said Death Spiral are hopping on that with you guys as well which is awesome. Um, so yeah, go trek out, you know, cold, cold ass Brooklyn night and go see the sleeping and, you know, warm your, warm your gills up in that fucking weird corridor. But <laughs> <laughs> when you see it, man, you're going to be like, that is a weird corridor. Like yeah, it must yeah, suck yeah. to be man. one of the people that gets stuck behind this like tiny wall. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm, I feel bad. I feel extra bad. Cause I'm like, I'm short. 
So like <laughs> me in the back of any crowd at a show is like the worst. I just don't even want to go to shows anymore because my if I can't fucking have a decent vantage point, then I might as well just yeah. throw myself off a fucking bridge. The the um the, tying it back to hockey for a minute, the only thing I could really contribute is so I just got these. These are my old missions. Like these Ooh, from like yeah. the mid nineties. Were you wearing and, them the whole interview? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, I, yeah, we're doing this hockey podcast. I'm gonna got, wear my skates. I know. I was. I was gonna. I sh- dude, that would have been sick. I should have just been fucking <laughs> around throughout this whole thing. So, um, but yeah, I just got these things, and they're so mu- they're so fucking fast, dude. I haven't had new skates since literally 1996, mm-hmm. and I got these things, and they're just the fastest things. I just awesome. put them on and just like rip around the neighborhood once in a while, just as a weirdo. Like I live in like this sort of like hipstery part of LA, and so these people like are outside drinking coffee, and I'm just ripping down the block on fucking hockey skates. They're like, this dude's a psycho, but it's awesome. <laughs> it's sick. So. That's that's well, the, all I really can. I, I do want to play. I do want to play again. I miss street hockey and I really do want to fucking play. I just don't know like anyone out here that does well, it. I'm, I'm sure not, the envy on the coast dudes have literally moved to LA and they all play hockey. I know two of the dudes are here and Brian apparently lives like down the block from me. Haven't seen him. My my buddy who played drums in that band, I'm I'm still tight with, but he um he's not a hockey guy. So um, I've disconnected from from the, those dudes. Maybe, maybe I'll reconnect and go and fucking I, a little I bit. I feel more. like I have a, a lifetime of hockey now that my son, as I was saying, my son is playing his first game on Saturday. He's four years old, and we had yeah, videotaped that shit. That uh, was a pure hockey in Smithtown, getting all his pads and his helmet and and all this stuff. And and I'm like, well, this is gonna be. Is he gonna be a goalie, or does he want to be? Uh, does he want to be out and skate? I, I don't think you really decide yet. They're so young; they just get like a stick and elbow pads, a helmet, and there's this one. The stick is one episode. Variety. It's just straight. They're like. There's this one episode of South Park that like couldn't be more true to that statement, where it's like they're dramatizing this whole like rivalry between like these two five-year-old hockey teams. Of just all five-year-old and like they put this like crazy montage music behind it and like it's just them falling down it's just falling down like can't skate just constantly falling down but i'll tell you what you know if your son ends up being a forward the first one he pots you're gonna lose your shit like fuck yeah kicking kicking down kicking down the boards but yeah guys, his son is like uh his son is an awesome drummer too he's like drumming and he flips out he's like whatever he picks up he seems like he's he's we're killing it so i'm excited to see what he does with hockey fucking uncle zizzo here just like yeah just like down. I, will, down. I will get out on the street with him i i suck with a puck but i was good with a ball i'm like i'm i'm a good skater because i come from like the inline thing like just fucking fruit booting it but like I I I never was an ice hockey dude, so like my my puck skills were not where they needed to be. I was I was good with the ball, you know. Yeah, it's the opposite of uh, what are the two fucking Mighty Ducks brothers who can rip slappers but can't skate? Oh yeah, Dash brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> See, you're, you're you're the opposite. You're just living in a parallel universe, but uh. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll let yeah. you guys go. Uh, thank you so much for being on here with us. Super stoked February 17th for the, uh, uh, the show at Vitus. Uh, really super excited for, you know, whatever announcement comes out of that. 
if we get some new music out of you guys, that'd be dope. But you know, we hope you guys have a great, great time, you know, playing the show, you know, and if it ignites the fire in you guys and you end up, you know, doing this again for a little bit, you know, hopefully we can have you guys on episode like 290 and, you know, just like relive all of this. And, uh, you know, and maybe if we can get, uh, you know, Miglio on the show, that'd be cool too. You know, yeah. yeah. Way into that. But um, anybody out there, has- you all know a lot more about hockey. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you guys did great, man. Thank you so much uh, again for, for Joe and Sal. We appreciate you, uh, the sleeping and um, we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the other side, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. Thanks. Take Peace. care. Peace. You too.